Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of BBH News. And happy Friday. We are in November. It's crazy to think it's November 4th. And uh, the year is almost over. 2022 has really flown by. But uh, getting into weather in Los Angeles, California, it is partly cloudy, 71. With a sunny weekend in Houston, Texas, there are scattered thunderstorms with a high of 84 degrees with partly cloudy weekend. In Chicago, Illinois, it is raining 71 degrees with rain throughout the rest of your weekend. And in New York City, partly cloudy 70 with a partly cloudy weekend. Now, uh, New York City is going to be 70 degrees on Friday and be in the 70s throughout the weekend. And we are in November, November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th, where I live in upstate New York, is going to be... In the 70s, which is not normal. Um, Yesterday, I was mowing my lawn. I can honestly say I've never in November been mowing my lawn. Um, So that, it's just kind of crazy. It's just crazy, mowing the lawn in November. Um, But if you can't tell, Nick is not here today. He's enjoying an extra long weekend, so lucky him. Um, I would be lying if I said I was a little... If I said I wasn't a little jealous, because I definitely am. But uh, anyways, we got a lot of news to get into for this Friday morning, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, President Biden said this about the federal deficit just last week. This year, the deficit fell by $1.4 trillion, the largest one-year job in American history, point. $4 trillion decline in the deficit. You may be wondering, is this true? What does it actually mean? Are we still in debt and have we ever been in a surplus? There are so many questions and we are going to answer them right now. But before I tell you the answers, understand that the government runs on a fiscal year, meaning October through September. Is what the president said true? It is 100% true. According to the latest numbers from the Treasury Department, the federal deficit for fiscal year 2022 was just under $1.4 trillion. That's down more than 50% from 2021. A federal deficit happens when our government spends more than it brings in. So in this case, the federal government spent $1.4 trillion more in 2022 than it had brought in. So are we still in debt? Absolutely. The national debt is different than the national deficit. The national debt is all the annual deficits combined plus interest owed. Uh, Do you know how large the national debt is? Now, if you don't know, you might want to brace yourself. And keep in mind, this is from all of the country's history. And the national debt is around $31 trillion dollars. So you might be wondering, have we ever been in a surplus? Yes, in the last 50 years, the United States actually ran a federal surplus five times. Most recently, we had a budget surplus during several of President Bill Clinton's years in office. Fiscal year 1998, 1999, 2000, and 2001, which started in October 2000. That totaled more than $550 billion dollars. For comparison, the largest federal deficit we have ever seen in recent history was under President Trump in fiscal year 2020. Our federal deficit was more than $3 trillion. Most of that money was due to COVID spending, stimulus checks, and all other things that the government did to keep the country afloat during the pandemic. We saw another large deficit in year 2021 of almost $2.8 trillion, which started under former President Trump in October 2020 and finished under President Biden in 2021. 
But then you can see for 2022, if you look at the chart provided by the Treasury Department, the deficit was cut in half. The consumer spending report for September 2022 was released this week, and it found overall consumer prices increased 6.2% in September 2022 from September 2021. That's a near 40-year high, but despite these increased consumer spending did not decrease. It actually increased 0.6%. It also increased by 0.6% in August. It decreased 0.2% in July. This is just one more report that shows the economy is still running strong despite the record high inflation. The Federal Reserve met this week and because of the report and several others that we have been reporting on recently, the Federal Reserve did increase interest rates 0.75%. More on that will be coming on Monday. If you have a federal student loan, the Department of Education just released some new rules. You need to pay attention to this. No, it's not about the student loan forgiveness. It's about what happens after or if you get the forgiveness of $10,000 or $20,000. Lots of borrowers will still have student loan debt, and you will know all that interest piles up. So this week, the Department of Education announced starting on July 1st, 2023, a new rule will prevent that interest from spiraling out onto your balance. This may get a little tricky and technical, but I'm going to try to explain this the best I can. The rule that was announced this week tackles interest capitalization, which happens when accrued interest is added to the original loan balance and future interest grows on the higher amount instead of the original loan amount. And student loan borrowers know that interest is what is killing them. This new rule eliminates all instances where interest capitalization is not required by law. This means interest will no longer be added onto the borrower's principal balance. The first time a borrower enters repayment when a borrower leaves forbearance, leaves an income-driven repayment plea, or enters default. And that's not all. The new rules also announced this week would also make it easier for students who've been defrauded by their schools to get their loans canceled by the government through the borrower's defense program. They overhauled the public service loan forgiveness program, making it easier for public servants to get their federal loans canceled after a decade of payments and so much more. Third quarter profits are in for all major oil companies, and do you want to know how much they made in just three months, that is July 1st through September 30th. Before I tell you the actual numbers, there are two things to understand. Yes, oil companies lost a lot of money during the pandemic when demand plummeted, forcing some companies out of business. But between 2021 and 2022, these oil companies' profits on average have increased significantly. So the profits for the four largest companies for BP, $8.2 billion. The second quarter was $8.5 billion, and last year it was $3.3 billion. Shell, $9.4 billion. The second quarter was $11.5 billion, and last year it was $4.1 billion. Exxon was $19.7 billion, and the second quarter was $17.9 billion. Last year it was $6.8 billion. Chevron, $11.2 billion. The second quarter was $11.6 billion, and last year it was $6.1 billion. Let me point this out. This is just for the time between July 1st to September 30th. All that money 
has started the conversation of implementing a windfall tax. The president has said repeatedly these companies are keeping prices high and shouldn't be allowed to do that with inflation the way it is and Russia destabilizing the oil market. He says the oil companies should be taking the profit and investing it back into increasing production and refining capacity. But there is plenty of pushback from other lawmakers, economists, and obviously the oil industry who say if the U.S. government passes a windfall tax on the oil profits, the oil company will further reduce its production and investment. At this point, it's unlikely a windfall tax would happen because Congress isn't back in session until after the midterm elections. Speaking of the midterm elections, we do have a midterm update. Ahead of the midterm election, the United States government is warning of a heightened threat fueled by a rise in domestic violent extremism and driven by ideology grievances and access to potential targets. A joint intelligence bulletin was issued by law enforcement across the country from the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, National Counterterrorism Center, and the U.S. Capitol Police. The bulletin reads, quote, potential targets of DVE violence include candidates running for public office, elected officials, election workers, political rallies, political party representation, racial and religious minorities, or perceived ideological opponents. End quote. The bulletin is predicting that, quote, violence will largely be dependent on drivers such as personalized ideological grievances and the accessibility of potential targets throughout the election cycle. End quote. Intelligence analysis assessed that the most plausible threat ahead of election day comes from lone offenders who leverage election-related issues to justify violence, with many individuals still amplifying false narratives of fraud that date back to 2020, back to the 2020 general election. Analysts cautioned that the government officials and personnel, including candidates in the midterm election and officials involved in administering elections, will likely remain attractive targets to those motivated by debunked claims of election fraud that have spread online. The United States Capitol Police have reported a sharp increase of threats against members of Congress in recent years and notably documented 9,600 direct or indirect threats in 2020 alone. Former President Barack Obama has been crisscrossing the country, attending rallies and popping up in TV advertisements for Democrats that are being seen as vulnerable in the midterm elections. Former President Obama was in Michigan and Wisconsin, then Nevada on Tuesday and Pennsylvania this weekend. But last Friday, former President Obama was in Georgia for incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock, who is in a fight for his political life against Trump-backed challenger Herschel Walker. Friday night, in a rare joint appearance, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris will be in Philadelphia at a rally for Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, who is locked in a bitter battle with former President Trump-backed candidate Dr. Oz for the open Pennsylvania Senate seat. Former President Trump is hitting the campaign trail ahead of the midterm elections next week. He was in Iowa on Thursday, and he will be in Pennsylvania on Saturday, Florida on Sunday, and Ohio the day before the election. Former President Trump is there to support Republican candidates he backed in swing states and tight races. 
An unprecedented hand count of mail-in ballots in a rural Nevada county is on hold and may not resume after the Nevada Supreme Court ruled that the current process is illegal. Volunteers in rural Nye County had wrapped up a second day of hand-counting the ballots yesterday by the time the Supreme Court issued a three-page opinion siding with the objections raised by the American Civil Libertarians Union of Nevada. The Secretary of State of Nevada, who is in charge of elections and has been one of the Republicans' most vocal critics of the sort of voter fraud conspiracy theories. These theories are what has fueled the push for hand-counting ballots. The Secretary of State is the one who told Nye County officials they had to stop the hand-counting immediately. The Nevada Supreme Court on Friday ruled that portions of the county's hand-counting plan included a plan to live-stream the counting would violate state law prohibiting release of election results before polls close on election day. The Kansas Secretary of State warned that some voters in the state have received text messages containing election misinformation. According to a statement from the Secretary of State's office, some voters received texts and appeared to be from an out-of-state organization called Voting Futures. The text directed voters to an incorrect polling location within their county. We are mentioning this story because election misinformation is everywhere and you need to be careful. Make sure you check trusted sources for voting information. Always look at your state's Secretary of State's website. That's where you will find the best and most accurate information. Beware of random text messages or emails with unsolicited election information. Getting into rapid news, CBS and Les Moonves reached settlement with the New York Attorney General over allegations of sexual misconduct, misleading investors, and inciting training. The settlement is just above $30 million. Speaking of money, Powerball jackpot has hit a staggering $1.5 billion, just short of the world record for lotteries. And the next drawing, I will have my Powerball ticket, so if I'm not here for a while, you know who the winner is. But that is the end of this Friday morning news episode. We will be back here tomorrow morning with next November good news, Sunday with the week ahead, and of course be back here Monday morning. Until then, enjoy the start of your weekend, everybody.